Chapter Eighteen of the Daredevil by Maria Thompson Davies. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Chapter Eighteen, The Camp Heaven. And I was very glad indeed that he did not go with me for that toilet to my hands, for it might have happened that a noise would have deprived me of a very beautiful thing that I discovered through a window under a vine of roses that opened upon that back porch a very pretty young girl with hair the color of the maize in the fields lay upon a white bed beneath a quilt of many colors her sleeping garment was drawn back from her breast against which lay a little human person drinking therefrom with much energy the eyes of the mother were closed and her arm held the babe loosely as if in deep dreaming I softly poured the water into the basin, made clean my hands, and quietly withdrew into the kitchen, with much care that I did not awaken her. On my cheeks I could feel a deep glow of color, and something within my heart pounded with force against my own breast under its gay red coat of a hunting man. I could not raise my eyes to those of my Gouverneur Faulkner, and I ate not as much of that good breakfast as Robert Carruthers could have consumed if the woman in his heart had not been so stirred and all of that long day in the soft early spring which was bursting into a budding and a flowering under the feet of our horses and above our heads in the trees it was the woman roberta that rode at the side of my gouverneur faulkner with her heart at an ache under her coat of a man it was with a difficulty that i forced my eyes to meet and make answer to the merriment and joy of the woods in his deep ones and I was of a great gladness when the descending of the sun brought a moon-slivered twilight down upon us from the young green branches of the large trees of the forest through which we rode. Time to make camp. We've got to old jutting rock. You are halfway up between heaven and earth, youngster, said my Gouverneur Faulkner as he drew to a halt his horse in front of me and pointed down into the dim valley that lay at our feet. I am glad that we have made this camp heaven, I answered to him as I slid from my horse, ungirthed him, and drew from his back the heavy saddle he had worn for the day, as I had been taught by my father to do after a day's hunting, if no grooms came immediately. Is it that you have hunger, my Gouverneur Faulkner? Only about ten pounds of food craving. He made answer to me with a large laugh that was the first I had ever heard him to give forth. I'll rustle the fire and water if you'll open the food wallet and feed the horses. Immediately I will do all of that. I made an answer to him, and because of the happiness of that laugh he had given forth, a gladness rose in my heart that made me again that merry boy, Robert. And it was with a great industry for a short hour that we prepared the camp heaven for a sojourn of a night. Upon a very nice hot fire I put good bacon to cook, and my governor set also the pot of coffee upon the coals. Then, while I made crisp with the heat the brown corn-pones with which that granny bell had provided us, he brought a large armful of a very fragrant kind of tree, and threw it not far into the shadow of the great tree which was the roof to our camp heaven. Bed, he said, as he came and stood beside the fire in a large towering over me, I dropped beyond rescue a fragment of that cornbread into the extreme heat of the coals. But I said, with a great composure and a briefness like unto his words, Supper. 
why is it that a man thinks he wants more of life's goods than fatigue supper and bed do you suppose boy questioned my gouverneur faulkner to me as at last in repletion he leaned back against our giant roof-tree between two of whose hospitable large roots we had made our repast and lighted a pipe of great fragrance which he had taken from his pocket i would not possess happiness even though i had this nice supper if i was alone in this great forest your excellency i would have fear i answered him with a small laugh as i took my corduroy knees into my embrace and looked off into that distant valley below us which was beginning to glow with stars of home lights didn't i tell you once that you don't count that you are just myself youngster you ought not to know that i am here i don't know you exist except as a form of pleasure of which i do not ask the reason was the answer that my gouverneur faulkner made to me i excuse myself away with humbleness for impertinence your excellency i returned to him if you tried do you think you could call me bill just for to-night boy was the answer he made to my excuses as he puffed a beautiful ring of smoke at me i could not i answered with an indignation i heard you call sue tomlinson sue the first night you danced with her but that mademoiselle sue is a woman my gouverneur faulkner i answered with haste that's the reason that women get at us to do us youngster we don't approach them as human to human but we go up on their blind side and they come back at us in the dark with a knife and as he spoke all of the gayness of joy was lost from the voice of my beloved gouverneur and in its place was a bitterness with pardon i say that it is not a truth of all women your excellency i answered with pride as my head went up high at his condemnation of the sex of which i was one you don't know what you are talking about youngster they all think i am cold and pass me along except a few experienced ladies who shall i say adventure for graft with me i've been too busy really to love or let love but i know em and you don't let's stop talking about what concerns neither of us and go to bed see this young cedar tree i'm going to throw my blanket across it and with these extra boughs i'll make a genuine cradle for each of us on the opposite sides of the trunk then we'll cover with your blanket and be as comfortable as two middies in their hammocks in a man-of-war this is a piece of woodcraft of my own invention and i'm proud of it old scout and while he talked my gouverneur faulkner had prepared those cradles of our blankets unstrapped from the saddles of the horses at feeding time seated himself upon the edge of one of them and began to pull from his feet his riding boots take off your boots and your coat youngster and turn in i'll take the windward side and you can bivouac against the fire good night as he finished speaking my gouverneur faulkner rolled beneath that blanket upon the outer edge and left for me the hammock next to the fire sheltered from a cool wind that had begun to come up from the valley almost immediately so that i should not have a fright i lifted the blanket and crawled into the branches of the fragrant tree even as i did so i perceived a loud breathing of deep sleep from my gouverneur faulkner but to me came no repose awake through the bright night i lay there in the sweet branches of the young tree beside the great gouverneur of one of the greatest states of america and perceived clearly the pass to which my course of lies and dishonor had led me and from that wild daredevil roberta marquise of grand b was born the honest woman roberta who must extricate herself from a situation not to be longer endured even if discovery was not upon me 
I will finish this journey with my beloved Gouverneur Faulkner, I counseled myself, upon which it is of a certainty that this plot for his ruin in the world of his politics will be averted, and I will return to the home of my uncle, the General Robert. If I be not discovered in my woman's estate in a few days' space of time, I will endeavor to do some piece of loving-kindness that will keep me in the memory of all who have given me love, from poor black Bonbon up to His Excellency himself here beside me. And then I will go into those trenches of France to give my life for my country, perhaps not as a soldier, but as a good nurse of the Red Cross. And never, never must any living person who has loved Robert Carruthers know that he is a human of dishonor. Nanette will be true to my directions to hide my secret, and we Pierre will keep it forever, because I go to fight for France as he cannot. I will put with great firmness into the mind of Pierre that he is to be of a great devotion to my uncle, the General Robert, through life. And what will you do for that great Gouverneur Faulkner, from whom each day you have stolen more and more affection, with your false attitude of much loyalty, to keep from him grief at the loss of you? I asked myself with a sob in my heart. Forgive me, my beloved chief, when away from you I must die of a coldness, I said to myself in a very low tone into the moonlight. Cold, do you want the whole blanket, youngster? Snuggle into your cradle closer. Suddenly answered me my Gouverneur Faulkner, as he reached his long arm across the tree trunk to tuck in the blanket about me, and again he was immediately in the deep sleep, from which my spoken words had but partly awakened him. And then, at his bidding, I did settle myself down into the fragrant boughs, and I wept myself also into a deep sleep. The round sun was high over that old Harpeth hill when I opened my eyes. For a moment I did not see clearly, and then I looked straight into the deep eyes of my Gouverneur Faulkner, which for that first time I had been able to see to be the color of violets in the twilight. He was seated beside me, smoking the fragrant pipe and looking down at me with a great wonderment that was mingled with as great a tenderness. Boy, he asked softly, are you sure God has got that pattern of you put away carefully in France? Before I could make answer to him, a picture flashed into my mind. When still a child one morning, I opened my eyes to find my loved father bending over me, and in the hollow of his arm he held my mother in her breakfast gown of lace and ribbons. He spoke, some day, Celeste, a man will bend over her and watch her waken. God grant it will be with the love that produced that beauty. Look at that love curl. And at the recall of that picture of me into my mind, my hands flew to my face to find that same treacherous curl had descended to my cheek from the mop above. With a fury of embarrassment I sprang to my feet from under that blanket. I have a great hunger, I said, as I observed a very crisp breakfast to be prepared upon the coals of the fire. I must have a fragment of bacon upon the instant, and I bent over the fire to obtain what I had demanded, for a cover to my confusion. No, you don't, until you've washed that face and those hands that still have the supper smudge on them, in the pool down there. I left the soap and the dry sleeves and bosom of a flannel shirt for you. Don't you pack towels in a kit in your country? With which laughing answer my Gouverneur Faulkner denied unto me an immediate breakfast. 
you thought him to admire the love curl while he was remarking the soil upon your face roberta marquise of gray and b i laughed to myself as i plunged my face into the icy pool after a finish to the breakfast my gouverneur faulkner gave to me the information that we must tether the good horses and make the remainder of the journey by walking which we did for hardly a short hour the wildcat still is straight up turkey gulch and will have to scramble for it it's hid like the nest of an old turkey hen he said to me as we set out upon the mounting of a very steep precipice what is that word wildcat still i asked as i slid over a great rock with emerald moss encrusted and struggled beside my gouverneur faulkner through a heavy underbrush of leafy greenness a place where men make whiskey in defiance of the law of their state he answered me as he held aside a long branch of green that was pink-tipped so that i might slip thereunder without a scratching are you not the law of the state my gouverneur faulkner i asked of him as i pulled myself by his arm through the thickness i'm all that but i'm the son of old harpeth and jim todd's blood brother first some day i'll smoke jim out of his hole and get him a good job now wait a minute and see what happens and as he spoke my gouverneur faulkner stood very still for a long minute as i sat at his side upon the fallen trunk of a large tree i regarded him with admiration because he had the aspect of some beautiful lithe animal of the woods as he listened with a deep attention then very quickly he put his two long fingers to his mouth and behold the call of a wild bird came from between his lips twice it was repeated and then he stood again in deep attention i made not even a little breathing as i too listened then came three clear notes of that same wild bird in reply from not very far up the mountain from us that's jim the old turkey come on said my gouverneur faulkner as he again began to break through the leafy barriers of the low trees and in a very short space of time a man emerged from a little path that led behind a tall cliff of the gray rocks he was a very large and a very fierce man and i might have had a fright of him if his blue eyes had not held such a kindness and joy in them at the sight of my gouverneur faulkner howdy bill he said with no handshake or other form of a comrade's greeting howdy jim returned my gouverneur faulkner in a manner of the same indifference but with also an expression in his face of delight at the sight of his blood brother that mr jim todd that thar boy a shut mouth he's bob and he's hard as a nut was the introduction i had from my gouverneur faulkner then come on with which command that wild man led us around the tall cliff of gray rock over which climbed a sweet vine of rosy blossoming which i now know to call a laurel and we arrived in front of a small and low hut that was built against the rocks a clear small stream made a very noisy way past the door of the hut but save for its clamor all was silent where are the boys asked my gouverneur faulkner hid in the bushes i've got the man tied in the still room i low he ain't no revenue but they low different come back and see if you can make out his gibberish come on robert said my gouverneur faulkner to me as i followed the wild jim into the hut and back into a room that was as a cave cut into the rock and i robert carruthers followed him to my death seated upon a rude bench in that cave room bound with a rope of great size 
disheveled and soiled but with all of the nobility of his great estate in his grave face was my adored friend capitaine the count de lascelles as we entered he rose beside the bench and in that rising displayed a chain by which one of his feet was made fast to the rock of the wall good morning sir said my gouverneur faulkner as if greeting a gentleman upon the street of that city of hayesville also a good morning sir made reply my poor capitaine the count de lascelles and he stood with a fine and great courtesy waiting for my gouverneur faulkner to state to him what his visit could portend as would he have done in his regimental room at tours and as he stood for that very long minute there expired the last moments of the life of robert carruthers a stream of light fell from the little window high in the rock upon his luckless head as he stood as if frozen into a statue of great fear and as he so stood the eyes of the capitan the count de lascelles fell upon him and he started forward as far as the length of the chain by which he was bound would allow him and from there held out his hand to the frozen boy standing in the stream of light from high heaven my most beautiful lady roberta do i find that it is you who have come to my rescue he questioned i lost you mon enfant in that great new york my beloved capitan how is it that i find you thus i exclaimed as i went to within his reach and allowed that he take my two hands in his poor shackled ones and put warm kisses of greeting upon them and it was while i was shedding tears of pity for the imprisonment of that great man of france in that mountain hut in america as he kissed my hands that i raised my eyes to encounter a cold lightning as of a flash on steel from under the black brows of my gouverneur faulkner of the state of harpeth that again froze the blood in my heart you he asked of me in a voice that was of the same coldness and sharpness as that steel and his beautiful mouth was set into one straight line as he flung into my face that one word End of chapter eighteen